0: Relax, Damien. They're friends.
1: Sure! Friends! So should I go into your utility belt and get the you-know-what-a-night? Damien, please. They need our help. Set up John in the meta-analyzer.
0: Don't you mean the bat meta-analyzer? Sorry, sorry. I just thought... Uh, never mind.
1: Fine. Follow me, farm boy.
0: a tomar.
2: Have we started the fire? Yes, the fire rises. Welcome citizens of Gotham to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter and I am your host and we are here to celebrate a film that came out last year in 2022. Um, But when I say we, I am not alone. Of course, I have my partner, my co-host, Mr. Joseph Fornorado. Joe, how are you, buddy?
0: I'm doing good, Eric. What's going on?
2: Um, Oh, watching it snow and and talking about some Batman, so it's a good night.
0: Oh, lucky you. My daughter just said to me, Daddy, why isn't it snowing? I I don't know. (laughs) We we live in New Jersey, and it's January. It doesn't snow quite yet.
2: (laughs) Well, the only sucky thing about it is it it makes it feel Christmassy, and now we're in January, which is like the most awful month of the year. Yeah. So Snow
0: is not as joyful once Christmas is over. I agree. No. Um,
2: But we are not alone. We have uh, recruited a returning guest with us today to talk about this animated film. And he again, he has been on the show before. He's talked about a few animated films with us as well as Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's my good buddy, Matt Hewlin. Matt, welcome back. How are you, man? How's it going, Eric? It's good to be back. Uh, Ready to talk some uh, some more superheroes with you guys absolutely and matt we were trying to me and joe were trying to figure out what was the last episode you were on with us was it bad blood
1: um it was either bad blood or the long halloween part two i think now that you say bad blood i think it might have been bad bad blood oh wow
0: i feel like long halloween was more recent
2: i do too I'd have to look. I don't know. Once you once you get so many episodes in, it's like they all they become a blur in the background, and we're not even that many episodes in.
0: So and Eric had a, to bring in Z- bring up Zack Snyder's Justice League because you know that's yeah I one, do because it's that's the one I Joe. know that you're on. I I know for a fact you were on that episode, man. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, Joe Joe has uh, held a grudge that he wasn't on that episode. It's like one of two episodes I think in the history of this show he wasn't on.
0: Yeah, that was, that was fun. (laughs) No, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I missed having you on that episode, Joe. We're, we're, we'll do, I'm sure we'll get back to it one day and the three of us can talk about it again.
2: Oh yeah. It's that, that one is definitely going to be covered at least once more, probably more than that on this show. Um, but not today. Today we are here to talk about, uh, a recently animated film, um, Let's see when was the release on this one? Was it October? I believe so.
1: I think so. I think it was the uh I think it was the October movie uh, for last year. Yeah. Cuz I think it was the last one they did before the end of the year.
2: Yeah, so we're looking at Batman and Superman: Battle of the Super Sons and the release date was October 18th, 2022. It looks like it was released for New York Comic Con on October 7th. So they got it a little over a week before. Um, But yeah, Damian Wayne, as everybody knows, uh, if you listen to this show, is near and dear to my heart and probably not many others. Uh, So I was super excited for this movie. Um, But before we actually get into talking about the film, I want to talk a little bit about the lead up because, you know, pour one out for DC Fandom. Uh, This movie was announced at 2021 DC Fandom. And I was excited about it from the beginning there. Um, just to know that we were getting a Super Sons movie because I love the Peter Tomasi run on Super Sons. It's a great comic. If you got, if, if anybody hasn't read it, I suggest it. Um, but I love that pairing. Of course, I love Batman and Superman. So when they announced this and they announced it was going to be DC's first fully CGI animated film, I was stoked for this. So... Just to kind of get you guys gauge you guys' opinions, Matt. Um, starting with you, do you remember when you heard about this film? Was it DC Fandom, or did you find out about it later?
1: I think it was later. Um, I think you're the mm. one that told me about it um, initially. I think we were discussing some other uh, releases um, mm. over text message, and you told me that one was uh, this one was coming out on. Um, So that was, that was when I heard about it first. Right.
2: Right. And then did, did we talk about it being CGI? I can't remember. I I do specifically remember sharing the trailer with you. And of course we knew at that point it was
1: CGI. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Um, I, I don't think we did any kind of in-depth discussion on it. Mm. Um,
2: okay. And then so far as Joe, I know that, I mean, we've, We've been hooked into DC fandom since the beginning, and unfortunately, that it doesn't look like there's going to be another one. But, um, you recall this at the 2021 fandom, correct?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I would assume this is the last one that was announced if it was in this was probably the final one for that year that they did for fandom, um, if I remember right. Unless it was, like, yeah, and I remember it being a big deal that it was CGI, I will mm-hmm. say. I mean, we'll probably get into this more once we get going. But I appreciate that it's not an over-the-top CGI. It's yeah, it doesn't hit you in the face with the CGI animation. I think it it fits well with the rest of the DC movies, despite being CGI.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, well, without bearing the lead anymore, we'll 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 start talking about this film. I do want to kind of, because it, it just hit HBO Max, and I know not everybody buys these films immediately, um, and a lot of people do wait until it hits streaming, so it arrived on HBO Max a couple days ago, I think the 17th. Um, so I, I know some people haven't caught up to it yet, so I do want to kind of give a spoiler-free section uh, before we really dive into to the details of the film. So we'll start with just kind of some generic uh, spoiler free thoughts before we kind of get into those overall broad thoughts though. I do want to talk about, we just mentioned the animation. So I don't want to talk about that a little bit, but also I want to talk about the voice cast. Cause this is a stellar cast. I mean, you've got Jack Dylan Grazer, who is now kind of a DC legacy actor as, as tends to happen. He's a uh, Superboy, Jonathan Kent. You've got Jack Griffo, which I'm not super familiar with as Robin uh, Damian Wayne. Uh, we have the returning Troy Baker as Batman Bruce Wayne. I love Troy Baker. Um, I love his Batman and Bruce Wayne voice. He's also, of course, multi-talented um, voice actor. Right now, he's actually the host of The Last of Us podcast uh, because he was the main character in The Last of Us, the video game. So that's that's really cool. Uh, Travis Willingham as Superman Clark Kent. Laura Bailey as Lois Lane um and then it goes on from there we've got Nolan North as Jor-El he's also a, a you know very famous voice actor and Tom Kenny as Green Arrow and the Penguin now this is where i want to start here do you guys know who tom kenny is
0: i do not no i i don't either i was actually going to bring up the voice cast uh cuz i didn't look at it prior um and I didn't even realize it was Troy Baker playing Batman. I meant to look it up because obviously the voice sounds familiar, but I wasn't sure Mm. if it was another person just kind of impersonating that voice or I honestly forgot about Troy Baker um, who has been around for a while now doing the Batman voice when um, I hate to say it with the, you know, with this connotation, but he was always the guy that kind of was meant to sound like Kevin Conroy. Right. Or is he the one that would fill in for Mark Hamill?
2: No. um, He, he has done Joker. Um, He was Joker in Arkham Origins, I believe. Okay. Um, But he has done some Batman here and there as well. Okay. Um, But of course, you know, like I said, he's, he's known for a ton of different voice roles, but Tom Kenny, The reason it stuck out for me was because I didn't realize Tom Kenny was in this movie Um, because he doesn't sound like what he normally sounds like. Tom Kenny is SpongeBob SquarePants.
0: (laughs) I just saw that. Wow. Oh, wow.
2: (laughs) And when I was doing kind of research for the movie uh, for this episode and I realized, wait a minute, Tom Kenny was Green Arrow because you can't hear that at all when you're watching the movie. But yeah, I, I was like blown away that Spongebob Squarepants was Green Era. Um, so I thought that was a funny note. Uh, one, I think one small critique about this film, so far as the voice cast goes, I did not like Travis Willingham's Superman. Um, for some reason, throughout the course of this movie, it doesn't work for me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that just that deep, flat tone the entire time. There's not there's not really any distinction between his Clark Kent and his Superman. Not that there has to be like with Batman and Bruce Wayne, but I don't know. It's it's just one of those performances. I got over it the more I watched the movie, but it just didn't work for me. So I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on him as Superman, but I, I did want to make that uh, known that it just it wasn't my favorite.
1: I think if I'm gonna pick somebody out that uh, like, kind of um, messes with it for me as far as the like chemistry of the voice cast, um, probably he's probably that's probably I have that same critique um a mm-hmm. little bit with the Lois Lane too um, but it's also just kind of a different. I think it fits well for the movie, um, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not my favorite superman and uh lois uh voices um and like i said it's still i still think it's it's good but it's not um it doesn't rank up there i love the troy baker batman um and i think the both of the sons jonathan and damien i think they were cast very well um but yeah, yeah i would tend to agree with you eric
2: So far as the, so far as the boys, um, the super sons themselves, I mean, Jack Dylan Grazer and Jack Griffo, it is absolutely their film and they killed it. I thought, especially as much as I love Grazer, especially Jack Griffo, I thought he nailed Damian Wayne. Um, but Joe, I I wanted to get your thoughts too on this voice cast and see if there was any, what did you get the nitpick we were talking about with Superman or did it work for you?
0: Uh, honestly, it never even occurred to me. I had no problem with his voice as Superman. I liked it. I think that th- um, if I was going to nitpick anything with the voice cast, it's not a a dig at his performance. But sometimes with Jack Dylan Grazer, I heard Freddie, so that's a tough thing with the um, with him being a le- legacy voice. Sometimes mm-hmm. I would hear Freddie Freeman, and that was a little odd but i still like his performance and also i think with troy baker sometimes he came off as i mean like batman normally is oh i just noticed something in the phone that really just uh, i'll come back to this <laughs> sorry um, save it <laughs> shiny shiny red on people uh, <laughs> um honestly with the troy baker voice sometimes struck me as almost too stern or too monotonous or monotone um Mm. at times but again that's kind of where they go with batman a lot so it was just a choice but honestly i i liked superman's voice and uh and uh you know clark's voice i had no issues with that whatsoever and um i liked lois's voice um yeah i i thought the whole cast was was really great
2: cool yeah and then, um, so far as the animation, we kind of touched on it a little bit, and Joe, you had mentioned it, um, so I'll start with you on this one. Um, what were your overall thoughts? This is completely different from any DC animated film we've ar- ever gotten before, visually. So, like, was it... I don't know, was it jarring for you? when? You, I mean, you knew going in it was CGI, but how did you like the CGI? How do you think it worked with the film?
0: I, I really like it because... I- I mean again I'm not a I'm not an animation guru. I it I'm pretty simple. It's kind of like yeah that's good or yeah that's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but for this I feel like it's it's a pretty toned down CGI. They're trying to make it and maybe I'm wrong here, but to me it seems like they were trying to make it 2D CGI so it still kind of has that traditional animation look to it. Hmm. Am I out of line for saying that? Because I don't it, like it. Doesn't look like feature film CGI. Like it doesn't look like Toy Story to me. You know what I mean? It doesn't look like that. It. I, I don't know. It.
1: I I would agree. I would agree with that, Joe. Um, I I feel like it's kind of a. Um. You kind of get that, like it's almost like the characters themselves have a, like a little bit of a three D. To them but everything else behind them is definitely more kind of a a 2d kind of feel and i think it goes well together to kind of give you that um that classic like dc animation look but yeah like it looks like it's but you definitely know that this is a recent movie like this was made like in you know
0: the 2020s like that's what I get from it. Yeah. Like you see a good, like good depth with the shots. You see good, you know, foreground background. Everything is, is really nice looking, but it still has that like comic book artwork look to it. It doesn't have this perfectly crafted CGI, like a super pets does or a toy. Like I kept going back to like Pixar animation. It, it mm. to me, it balances it really well. Like, yeah, you know, it's CGI, but it's not, I keep going back to over the top, but I don't mean that as a slight to CGI, but I think this still works well with the other animation we've been getting. It like I, I could watch this and say it's in the same world as something else we've gotten. It's not so far beyond regular hand drawn animation to me. But um
2: Gotcha. Yeah, See for me, I really liked the style. Um, I thought it was going to be jarring, especially from some of the trailers we got. I was like, I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. Um,
0: like I didn't want it to look like a video game for, well,
2: and I also didn't want it to look like, you know, like, like one of the Disney CGI films we get now, like frozen and things like that. mm -hmm. And I don't think it, I don't think it did. I'll tell you the, the, the first thought I got, uh, on this rewatch I did for the, for the episode, I don't know if you guys ever saw this or not. Um, but in the mid two thousands, there was a Spider-Man animated series on MTV and it was a CGI show. I don't know if either of you guys have seen that, but I have not. Okay. If I have, I don't
0: know which one you're talking about. So I don't know.
2: So it, it was kind of off of the heels of the Tobey Maguire, (sighs) Spider-Man, I think the first movie, um, they did this series on MTV and it was kind of revolutionary at the time because it was a CGI show. Super Suns reminds me a lot of that animation style, except of course, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's almost 20 years later. So it's a lot more polished, but it's not like I said, polished to the frozen kind of Disney level. Mm-hmm. It's still, I mean, like you said, Joe, it kind of has a comic book feel to it. But it does, it, it does remind me of that Spider-Man series. So if anybody uh, listening knows what I'm talking about, I hope, I hope you get that parallel. And for, for you two guys, I would recommend, um, even if you just YouTube it, just look at, I think it's called Spider-Man, the new animated series. But I mean, if you watch just a little clip of that, you can see, I mean, for the early 2000s, it is a marked departure from what they were doing with animation at, the, at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's the vibe I got. But it again, it didn't jar me. I really liked the style. I thought it was very smooth. Um, you know, some some of the lower end CGI animation can be jerky sometimes, and I didn't feel like it was it was that. So I was pretty happy with it. Uh, I it think, worked for me.
0: I've, I think Matt made a good point um, with saying that it's it's more about the the characters themselves have a really nice like finish to them and a lot of detail to them where they look more hand-drawn and they're moving in a CGI way almost. I don't know. Again, mm. I'm not, I'm not an expert with, with animation, but I'm just kind of, you know, I'm impressed with what they were able to do with the CGI as opposed to going too far and, and kind of taking me out of it. Cause I think this looks really nice.
1: Yeah. I think, um, the benefit you get
0: out of, out
1: of the CGI is the, um, what you can do especially with like faces Mm -hmm. um it's not as much uh you can get a lot more expression um and just like paying attention like having it running in the background right now like you can see like eyebrow movements and and blinking and just like small small little things that kind of um helps with the uh with the voice acting and stuff as well and i was kind of like you eric i watching the trailer and stuff, I was like, Yeah, hey, I don't really I don't really know how much I, I like that. Um mm. and I think maybe that comes from just like in a trailer, like you're cutting from scene to scene like really jarringly. And um when you actually watch the movie, it's you know, it's a little more streamlined. So you don't get that like quite as much. Um <clears throat> but uh I think I and I think animation style, like I'm I'm all for um like, trying different styles, especially um, in the same universe, because that's a a benefit that I've kind of, I thought about rewatching this, like, you get, like, the original um, DC animated universe with the shows and and the movies accompanying those, they all have the same style, so it makes it really easy for you to say, okay, this is the same universe, Mm -hmm. Uh, with a few exceptions of, you know, um, like, Batman the Animated Series, you know when they make changes and stuff like that, but typically, like when you have that, and then you have like the animated movie universe um, with like Apocalypse War and stuff like those, like those all share a similar animation style, so it lets it lets the viewer kind of say, oh, okay, well this is the same same universe, same same heroes, and then when you have a standalone um, movie like this. I think it's perfect opportunity to try something new and test something new and and kind of refine it because it, it does look different and it should look different because it's a, it's a different, it's a different universe and it's, it, it stands by itself and you don't want people to be tying back into and being like, well, well, this is completely different from what I remember from, from this show or this movie, because, you know, like an everyday person, you know, um, who's just seeing this on HBO max and like, oh, I like Superman. Let me let me watch that. That looks interesting. Like it, mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit easier for them to realize like, Hey, this is, this is different. This isn't, you know, um, helps have that separation between the the different films and universes.
2: Yeah. And, and I will say, I give DC a ton of credit for that because they're always kind of pushing the envelope with their different animation styles and things like that. Cause you always have like the consistency of the in universe movies. Right now we've got that quote unquote Archer style animation for the in, in universe movies. But then you've got stuff like this with the CGI, you've got Catwoman hunted, which is very anime styled. So the DC animation group, they do a lot of uh, unique things with their films. And I really do enjoy that. Um, but just so far as to kind of move along a little bit, um, I do want to give some, some just kind of spoiler free thoughts uh, to, to wrap up this section for each of us before we move into spoilers. Um, so Matt, I'll start with you um, just kind of some gen- generic overall spoiler free thoughts on battle of the super suns.
1: I, I think I told you like whenever I watched it, I think I said it was wonderfully like cliche, like it's um, it doesn't try to be like so unique that it Mm -hmm. it ruins the movie um there's lots of like uh tropes and 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 like i said kind of cliche stuff and and references and things that you just expect out of these characters um Mm -hmm. a couple of little like subtle like jokes and hints um that like hardcore fans will definitely pick up on and have a laugh at um and uh it takes a uh a villain in a situation that like we've seen quite a bit um in especially in recent years um that and just it's it's something that worried me a little bit but it was wonderfully done um and i i thoroughly enjoyed it um from beginning to end
2: Cool. Yeah, I was a little worried where you were going there for a second, because when, <laughs> when you said perfectly cliche, I was like, oh, no, because uh, <laughs> I don't remember that conversation. But as you're as you're saying it, it's yeah, starting to click again. Uh, but nice. OK, well, Joe, what about you? Some some just overall thoughts on the film.
0: Matt put it really well with that wonderfully cliche, because he's right like they're. It's not trying to be too complex the the mm. show the movie is basically taking the characters and giving you what you want from these characters and I love that DC does these one-off films because I think sometimes when they do the in continuity stuff or the the everyday movies they become monotonous they become like just another movie with this I love that like hey we're gonna give you a movie with with uh, Jonathan um with Jonathan and with Damien. And this is going to be a one-off and who knows if we'll get sequels out of this. I don't know, but I'm assuming right now it's a one-off and Mm -hmm. it's, we're just going to give you a fun movie with these two. And we're going to make the villain star. but the movie's about these two. So we're not going to overdo it with a villain that you might want more from the villain's just Mm -hmm. going to serve the purpose of the film. And that's what he does. And, you're right. There's some tropes. There's some cheesiness in it, but it never bothered me. <laughs> like there's some really cheesy stuff that even I was kind of like, oh, they're going to like go to this and go to that. But it, it's still a fun movie. And yeah, I, I really enjoy this. Um, And I like that it's one of those standalone films that gives me a reason to remember this one as opposed to some of the ones that just kind of get forgotten because they just kind of blend in with the rest. Mm-hmm. so yeah i i enjoyed it too
2: yeah um so far as myself for just for just spoiler free thoughts here i i really really enjoy this film um i enjoyed it more than i think i thought i would and and i was really excited for it going in just because of the characters involved that are really I, I i love these characters all all four of the main players here are are pretty near and dear to me um I do have nitpicks on it. It's definitely not a perfect film. Uh, it's it's fun as hell, but it's it, of course it's not perfect. I do think um, there's a lot of time in the beginning. Uh, that's like the first twenty 20 20-25 minutes are like set up to get to where the, the part of the movie that you want to see. And I think that drug on just a little long for me. But then when we get to to what we want to see, and, and we'll talk more about that when we get over this over the spoiler wall there. But when we get there and we get those dynamics we're looking for it's just fun from there on out and and it's it's yeah it's 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 a fun ride um the villain being Starro, i got to say it that is and and that's not a spoiler it's in the trailers there's starfish all over the the character art and the posters um i i wasn't excited to see Starro again um so so soon after the suicide squad and i just feel like uh, it was like, okay, if that's got to be the antagonist, I know why they did. Um, it's an easy character to apply with what they did in the movie. And he's probably a very fun character to use with this CGI style. He just was not really the character that I think maybe I wanted to see in this movie. So, yeah, that's that's just where I was with him as as the antagonist of the film. But otherwise... Yeah, a really fun movie that I will revisit many, many more times. Um, I like this animation style. Love this voice cast with the Superman, you know, exception there. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun and I highly suggest it. But if you haven't seen the film, this is the mark right here. And uh, and I'm going to put this on Twitter and everything else so everybody knows. But this is the mark where we're going to call it. If you haven't seen the film, dip out now. Uh, join us again once you have, because we are going to talk open spoilers from this point on. So, just to just to begin with, uh, what I was talking about in my spoiler-free section there, I think, just for me, and I want to start with nitpicks first, because I like to start negative and then finish out positive. I, I felt myself... Um, during like the intro where we were setting up Jonathan Kent, I felt like I was like, okay, let's, let's get to the super sons. Let's get them paired up. Yeah, I get it. I get the introduction. I'm ready to see the two of them together. And I felt like the, the John section at the beginning went on a little long. So I don't, I don't know if you guys felt that way or not, but that's, that's the, the thoughts I've had both times I've watched the film so far.
0: Well, well, me, personally, I disagree with that. Okay. I You love Damien, so you just want Damien. Um, I, I love will John, say, too. <laughs> no, I think also we have to remember, to me, the beginning, uh, my nitpick is the Krypton sequence. Because mm. I don't think we needed that. I don't think I, I, that I, brought us anything other than, for some reason, setting up Starro being on Krypton, which I don't really think was necessary. Um, and the one line of hopefully someday you can have a son that brings us as much joy as you have brought us in the little time we had with you, which is a great line. I love Mm -hmm. that, but I don't think we needed what five minutes of Krypton blowing up again. It's only five minutes, but I felt like it's become like the, the death of the wanes. Like, do we really need to see it again? You know what I mean? Well,
2: and if you've noticed recently, DC likes to, they like to tie Superman's origin into whatever story they're telling. Yeah. Uh, because it, we, I mean, they just did it in, um, in super pets where they tied in crypto with the, with this sh- you know, the ship taking
0: off. And here I will say in that, but in that film that, that was changing the Krypton sequence. So I felt like that was necessary to show us how crypto got there. You know what I mean? Well, th- I mean, it does the same thing here with Starra. But Starro's not the, the main character.
1: Right,
2: but think, it does that think, same
1: trope. <laughs> I think it kind of, like, I think we could have had the Krypton sequence at the beginning, and, like Joe said, just, like, kind of shorten it. Like, all we really need mm-hmm. is, you know, I mean, quick sequence, they put on, put him in the ship, you know, we, we come in right as Krypton's, like, starting to erupt, put him, put him in the ship, and 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 show kind of the little Starro bits and then him taking off and, and going to Earth and then
0: Like and do then we that's need Starro like, cut it yeah cut a few what, minutes out there. What does Starro being on Krypton bring to this film at all? it doesn't and, and
2: i agree with you there i don't I, think we needed I, sorry,
0: I take note i take exception to you comparing it to crypto and super pets because that's bringing an emotional beat to the film that means no, no, a lot no,
2: you're you're <laughs> misunderstanding me it's a trope that's been used a lot recently yeah. i'm not
0: saying I'm, it was bad and super but pets. to matt's point a trope is okay if it's done well <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: Right. And that's what I'm saying. That I'm making the comparison. Okay. I like what they did with Super Pets. Okay. I think they tried to do something similar here in an opposite way, and it, and yeah. it just doesn't
0: work as well. Yeah. Uh, so. And anyway, though, but um, as far as the the time with Jonathan, I actually that's some of my favorite stuff in this film. It makes it more of a Superman and Superboy movie than it does a Super Sons movie. But mm-hmm. I I like the dynamic between. Because the movie is John's movie to an extent. It's more about him finding his way as Superman's son and coming to terms with his new powers and stuff. And and I think we also have to remember, we might know a little bit about this because we read the comics and because I got a lot of Superman and Lois vibes from the beginning of the film. Where if you've never seen that show or if you've never read the comics, I think you do need a little bit of dynamic on how the kid is experiencing life with Superman? Does he know Superman is his father? That kind of thing. But to your point, we get none of that with Damien.
2: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, this
0: movie so is I, called... I, Battle- I'm kind of talking it, on both sides of my mouth here, which I do agree with you. We get none of Damien's backstory other than, what, a few lines of dialogue?
2: Yeah, I mean, this movie is... it. The, the headline of this movie is Super Sons. Mm-hmm. And I, I did feel like it was a little heavy on, on the the Superman and Superboy side of it um, and not as much of the other son. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, and that's why I think when I'm watching the beginning of this movie, I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, we're setting up Superboy. Let's get to the sons. Cause I want to yeah. see them
0: together. Mm-hmm.
2: And again, when they get together, I love it.
0: And I think so. if you got rid of the Krypton sequence, maybe we could have gotten five minutes of Damien being born with Talia and, gotten Mm -hmm. maybe like a little montage backstory or anything of Damien. I think that's more important than doing the Krypton stuff. So that's where I will agree with you that maybe the Jonathan stuff took over too much because it then seems like Damien is just a side character once he's introduced. So yeah, I, I I see where you're coming with that. I just didn't, I wasn't bothered by as much time we spent with Jonathan, but I understand why you'd want more with Damien. Like Unfortunately like for me, I'm not going to blame them for giving us so much time with Jonathan, but I will agree with you that I wish we got more time with Damien.
2: Yeah. Now I will get to, I want to get the Matt's thoughts on this, but I will say one thing I do love about the opening is even though we, we did go to Krypton again, I love the transition into the comic style opening credits.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Those are great. Yeah. The, I, they've been doing such a good job with the DC animated films of the opening and closing credits to films. And I love it here. Cause it looks, it has the old school style of comic art in the opening credits. And I think that's wonderful.
0: Um, I'm sorry not to cut off Matt again, but I will say too, just to, to reemphasize the point of Starro being irrelevant to being on Krypton. The first time I watched this movie, I must've looked at my phone for a split second. Cause I was bored of the Krypton sequence. I didn't even realize Starro was on Krypton until this time I watched it. <laughs> So it meant nothing to me whether he was there or not. This time I watched it and saw him on the ship and I go, wait, when the hell was Starro on the ship? And then I had to rewind to see if I missed something. And no, he was just there. Like it was weird to me. So, but that's all right. I'll stop beating a dead horse with that. And I'll let uh, Matt (laughs) tell his story.
2: All right, Matt. So, so to get to your thoughts on that, just the whole opening here until, you know, with the, with the Krypton sequence, the intro to, to Jonathan, any thoughts on that?
1: Um, I kind of got the the same, like, I felt the same way as you, Eric. Like, it was a Super Sons movie and advertised and marketed and stuff like that with the trailers. And then uh, watching it the first time, I was like, okay, this seems more like a Jonathan Kitt-like movie. And I actually kind of got a little worried, like, watching through it. I was like, man, like, we've been on Jonathan and, like, Superman for... Wow, like how much is going to be left you know for them to actually like be together and i th- got worried about it kind of like you know going like zero to 60 like super quick and and stuff um which it didn't it it ended up not being that way um mm-hmm. so i do kind of get the same feeling as you like it, it drug on a little bit but at the same time like you know kind of agreeing with joe like i don't know what i would really cut out of the jonathan like origin story kind of stuff to make it you know it's it, it, i feel kind of duped a little bit into like you know i i, I went in wanting a super sons and i kind of got a, a jonathan kent like you know um Superboy kind of movie a little bit mm-hmm. um especially during the first half um i i kind of like the uh, idea of um cutting down the the krypton sequence to have more time with um damien and stuff um but as far as like doing that like kind of simultaneously i i don't think i would have liked that better because i love i love the way we get introduced to batman and and damien um the sequence of the the flying and the them uh going over um Gotham and and Jonathan seeing the one superhero that he says he likes more than his dad and <laughs> stuff like that. I think that was great, and I like that we didn't we didn't see any Batman until then. Um,
2: well, and that's a point, <laughs> Matt, that I I will agree with you on. Um, I I do love the introduction. Again, it's just the sticking point, and and this is only because I'm actually watching it in the background like you guys are. I mean, I'm twenty over a little over 22 minutes into the movie, watching it in the background. And we have not met Damien yet. I think this is a 80 minute movie. And I think it's around yeah. the 25 minute Mark when you actually get to the super sons meeting. And that that's, I think that's a little imbalance there. I agree with you guys. I think I would cut the Krypton sequence, add 10 minutes to this movie to make it a full hour and a half. And, give Damien a little more, even if it's like flashbacks after you meet him in the cave.
0: But to that point, you'd still be waiting 20, 25 minutes to meet him. But
2: you would get more of him.
0: Yeah. I'm with Matt though. I kind of like that. Like the introduction to him is from like Jonathan's point of view. The film is from Jonathan's point of view. So we're meeting Damien the same way Jonathan is, which I think gives it a different dynamic. Again, I agree with you guys that, you wanted a Super Sons movie and that's kind of what was marketed. And I think we get there. Like, that's why I understand your criticism. It's just not one that bothered me because mm. I got enough of Damien and I enjoyed the stuff with Jonathan and seeing everything from his perspective. It was just, I went with it and it, it worked.
1: Yeah, I, I mean... I, oh, go ahead. I, I definitely, like, enjoyed it. Like I said, I don't know how I would really change it other than maybe um you know keep the introduction the same like don't touch batman and damien until you see it but then maybe maybe have like a sequence there after that after everyone like kind of meets in the cave with just batman and damien and maybe talk about um like damien like his origin and stuff a
0: little bit more. or damien could have talked to jonathan about it
2: mm-hmm that's that's where I was leaning, um, because the, the, the longer this film goes, obviously, the closer and closer that Jonathan and Damien get and you start to see, you know, that that bond there, you start to see that yeah. friendship developing. Damien's a very closed off character. And if you know anything about his character in the comics, I mean, you know, Jonathan is his best friend and they start to they start to really develop that re- relationship over time. And Damien starts to open up to him. And I would have loved to have seen we could have done it that way. I mean, not that I know better than the makers of the film. I don't. Um, but I mean, I think it would have been really cool if, like you were saying, there was a conversation between Jonathan and Damien and Damien opens up to him and we see his backstory through that.
1: yeah Yeah. and coming from like a general audience you know someone who's not maybe not as familiar with damien because i mean you just think like your 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 general audience typical um viewer and stuff like they're they're they probably can't keep straight all the different robins and stuff so Mm -hmm. you know they may not see this and and hear damien and be like oh okay this is talia's son race's grandson blah 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 you know i think that kind of gets up it gets the point across like um but like the three of us like easily like watch it and immediately you know are filling in all the gaps but i think for like general audience in general a little bit more um just like one-on-one stuff with him would have been um and not much like maybe like you said like maybe five minutes at the most like would have given us um Mm -hmm. that what you're looking for as far as, like,
0: and developing it more as a a Super Suns kind of um, story. I think at this point, they also know their audience, though. Like, I think they feel that they are gearing towards a little bit lesser than us. I don't think they're gearing it towards general audience. So, like, they expect people to know who Talia is that's watching this movie. Which, I don't think the general audience even knows who Talia is by just watching this movie. But... I think they know that the people that will be watching this are getting enough out of it.
2: Yeah. And let's be clear about that. I do think they absolutely 100% know who they're, who they're, you know, issuing these films out to. Uh, you're not getting a ton of general audience views on these movies. I mean, I'd love for, for everybody to watch these movies, but that's just the case. I mean, if you look at rotten tomatoes, this film has a 100% critic score, but it's only got nine critics that rated it. So, yeah. I well, mean, yep. that's so, so, I, they they definitely know who they're who they're who they're pushing these films out to, um, but to stop I mean to stop beating that horse about the intro and everything I, just to get to when they do actually meet, man I love it I love that you know the first thing that really happens between these two is Damien decides to be the little douche he is and tests Superboy's abilities and pushes him off of a cliff i
0: love it does that happen in the comics i feel like it has to have happened in that that run by tomasi um and gleason Might have yeah because i I feel like i've I've definitely seen that
2: yeah i mean and then he zings a -a batarang at his head i it's it's it kills me um you guys know, I mean, Damien's my favorite Robin, which probably says I'm really twisted. But I, I love Damien. Uh, and I thought he was I thought he was so well portrayed here.
0: He's grown on me, but I think you're crazy. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> 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 I, I, I love agree. him with Jonathan, though. I think Jonathan is the best thing to have happened to Damien.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um I think it's definitely the relationship there has softened the character. Mm-hmm. And I do think if you if you watch kind of the older DC animated films, the ones that we did have Damien in, sometimes it's a little it's a little difficult to have affection towards Damien in those films. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this, if this is the first film you saw Damien in, you know, it starts that way, but you do get a little more of that uh that that well rounded Uh, Damien personality and you do see that uh, you know outside of the the rough exterior there is you know a vulnerable human there and you and you do have a little I don't know a little availability to get a little closer to him I think which again I know I'm biased towards Damien but that's that's what I got out of this film
1: I think this is a classic example of Jonathan giving Damien what he's missing Uh, which is that social interaction with people his age and and someone that he can really like actually like relate to and and open up to, Um, which is something I think you see in real life with, you know, um, kids that have like rougher rougher childhoods or like, you know, um, the not the standard um, family dynamic and stuff, you know, um, that may be, like, homeschooled or something like that, or, or not getting that same, um, that social aspect and, and missing those those skills and things. Um, and I think they illustrate that very well in this, like, with the, uh, is it is it Stargirl, or is it Wonder, Wonder Girl? Girl? Like, who, Wonder Girl? Yeah, Wonder yeah, Girl. Yeah, that he's talking to, like, um, when they get called to the tower about the Titans and stuff, like, you can, that kind of alludes to the fact that he's had, those you know issues and stuff before that you would expect from someone who was trained and raised by assassins for most of his life so um, well and even in
2: the cave you see that moment where he's where, where he's on the phone with uh wonder girl and he you can you can tell like he's trying to put on that gruff exterior um but you know they're kind of rejecting him from the titans basically it, and once he hangs it, he like he, you know, whatever. But once he hangs up the phone, you can tell, like, he's kind of crushed. Um, But it's not something that outwardly he wants people to see. And speaking of that moment in the Batcave, how cool is it? And Matt, I don't know if you have any uh, history with this uh, or <laughs> knowledge of it, but Joe, I know you do. How cool is it that Damien had Cow?
0: I know, that is <laughs> cool. And, and John was exchange, milking I, for him, I, or milter. Yeah. Like,
1: the, f- the first the first time I watched it, I paid no attention to it whatsoever. And mm-hmm. um, and then on, on rewatching it this week, I was like, wait a second. Why do they have a cow in the Batcave? Like, <laughs> I was like, giant pennies, playing cards, T-Rex, all that. Like, I, I get all those references now, but why a cow? And then, like, Damien was just like, why wouldn't I have a cow? And I was like, no, tell me, why do you have a cow? <laughs> um, and I, I did notice on like the playback here. Um, I don't know if you guys did, but uh, the the markings on her face are the bat emblem. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I didn't so, notice like, that. No.
1: Yeah, that's the, whenever whenever you see her pop up again. It's it, I thought that was really cool, and I think it distinguishes the fact that it's not um, uh, the Kent's cow, which. He- um,
2: yeah so very similar to <laughs> so i believe if if i'm if i'm thinking correct i think it was like during batman incorporated um where it was the, definitely during the,
0: morrison's run because i'm yeah. not as familiar with Bat cow or at least why he has the Bat Cow. i don't remember how that came to be i just remember him always having the Bat Cow.
2: yeah so uh damien i do i don't remember the run like i said i think it's incorporated Um, but Damien rescued her from a slaughterhouse. Um, and there was something, uh, they were using her. I think they were testing something on her at the time or something like that. But Damien rescued her. I think it
0: was the Batman and Robin run with, um, maybe with Dick as Batman
2: could be yeah but i do remember like that she she lives in the barn at wayne manor now like she is she is damien basically she is what ace is to bruce yeah. um she is she is the robin's bat cow so <laughs> yeah and it was awesome that she made it into the movie
1: okay that's uh, really cool I, re- I really like that now and I, I knew as soon as i realized i was like wait a second why is there a cow? It's like, I got to ask Eric and Joe, like, they'll probably know. I got to see if I'm missing something here or if this is just kind of, they did it for the movie to parallel and, and give the kids something to, to connect on. Oh, I would have thought you
0: would have assumed it's way too weird. It has to be from the comics. (laughs) No way that that just happens.
1: Well, that's, uh, that's like on the second watch when I realized I was like, I was like, all right, there's got to be something. There has got to be something. I've got to bring this up. So I'm glad you did
2: Eric. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not gonna like we're not gonna break it down beat by beat. I did want to cover some of the some of the more major um, parts of the film. So if I miss any, you guys jump in. But um, I did kind of want to talk about because you know shortly shortly after the scene in the Batcave, we do get to we start to get into the momentum of the movie. What's going to happen? And we do realize soon after that some of the Justice League is being affected by Starro. Um, and they are being taken over by Starro and his, and his little drones. Um, so we've kind of touched on it in the spoiler free section. Um, and, and Matt, we'll start with you here, but when, when the Starro stuff started to happen, I kind of want to get your thoughts. Cause you didn't say much about the villain in the spoiler free section. What did you think of, of him as the villain and how they started setting this up?
1: Um, it was kind of, uh, it's another one of those like cliches and like tropes that I was leading to. Um, mm-hmm it's something that I'm kind of getting a little exhausted on is the whole Star Wars thing. Um, cause like you mentioned, like we, we just saw him on the big screen, um, for Suicide Squad, um, seeing him here. Um, I just, uh, um, saw him in something else. I can't remember that. I just watched, but that was, that was an old release. It wasn't a newer release, but it was just kind mm-hmm. of getting a little, um, just a little worn out by it, but at the same time, like it's the it's the perfect setup. It's extremely well done, um, especially I think because you're going you're following um the Suns, mm. um, and it's a and the the plan by Starro is actually really good because he he goes after the biggest threat first. Like he 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 takes out and and kind of um. Which kind of by happen chance, because I think the way he gets to the tower is he actually runs into it um, on his way to Earth. But then, like immediately identifies, okay, these are the guys I need to worry about, takes them off the board, and then that's when he starts to kind of, you know, get the general populace and stuff. Um, and I think I think it's very well done, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a perfect kind of the perfect villain. Uh, to introduce these two um i think it gets a little i think it would have gotten a little hectic and a little just not as good of an idea because what you want is you want to you've got to do something to take to make these these kids have to rise up and 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 fill the roles of their father you've got to take batman and superman off the board somehow Mm -hmm. um and i think um I think using Starro to do that was the best choice um, because it gives them a, a non humanoid threat to fight. Um, like, albeit like very, you know, something that's hard to overcome, but it's not, you're not having to face a Raish or, you know, a Lex Luthor or somebody like that. And mm-hmm. and put them against it. Um, it's kind of more of a natural threat that they're having to to overcome, and I think that fits better than having someone that's a um, like I said, like more of a humanoid, like human based villain. Um, yeah. So even though I'm a little tired of it, like it's it, it's very very well done, and I, I I would I definitely see why they chose Starro
2: yeah, I agree with you. I think if we had not just seen it in the suicide squad, it may work a little better. Um, I think it's just kind of that recency if we we just saw this uh, not too long ago. But again, I mean, I don't know what way you would have I mean, i don't I can't pick a villain right off the top of my head that you would use in the same fashion where, like you said, you do take uh, Batman and Superman off of the board so that way you can you can slot in. Uh, robin and Superboy into those roles uh so again i i don't know where to how to fix it or who to fix it with but it was one where i was like oh starro okay so joe what about you what did you what were your thoughts on that
0: it's kind of just like the obvious choice like and it like i said earlier even before we got into spoilers it's kind of just a means to an end like let's just figure out a villain that we don't have to spend a lot of time on. So we could spend most of the time with the the main characters. And to Matt's point, it's to get Superman and Batman off the board. So we can have these kids join together and, and get the job done and become friends. And that's what we need for the story. I think it's smart to just pick a villain that works best for your story. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Am I, is it a little, I, I hate to put, it's not the film's fault that Starro was just used in the Suicide Squad, <laughs> you know? No, like, it's not. Um, but I agree. I, I kind of had the same thought when I first saw the trailers. It was like, oh, do I really want to see Starro again? But it makes perfect sense for this movie. And once I saw the movie and saw what they were doing, it works. And that to me is more important than changing it for the fact of, oh, we can't use Starro because they just used them in the movie let's try to come up with another idea what if that other idea was just too convoluted and took away from the other characters that's you don't want that either so i think it works really well for the film and yeah like, like Starro's not my favorite and i i just think it it did what it needed to do yeah i, I like your point about like
1: star is a a villain that you don't have to take a lot of screen time for it's like i said it's more of just that force of nature that you're dealing with you don't have to split screen time to give them a backstory exactly. or to give them a motive or you know split up you know you don't have to show them on crypto in the beginning and of the create other villains and stuff like that like you it, it's literally just a mind-controlling starfish from another planet that's just like their motive is this they just want to take over because that's just their their nature. There is no like truly like Yeah. you're not
0: taking away from anything else. by using You don't them. you don't need this whole backstory of why they're doing it or, you know, let's let's give them a sympathetic backstory and and make us feel for the villain. We didn't need any of that.
2: Well, I do think one one negative aspect of it um is the fact that and Joe you've kind of discussed this before too I do feel like the more we're getting Starra recently the more he's dem- kind of diminishing as a as a villain as That's kind of friend. where yeah where he ranks on the hierarchy because I mean he is a Justice League big bad and recently I mean you've got him as a Uh, big bad for the suicide squad and now for the super sons. So it doesn't feel like he's as much of a threat as he once was as a villain. And that would be my only critique on that.
0: I think also though, is Starro a creature of his time for a justice league villain where he's not as intriguing as he maybe once was like, that's why I'm okay with it. Could be. Yeah. Like, do you really want to see? And Listen, if we get it one day, awesome. (laughs) But, like, do you really want to see Starro as the big bad for the Justice League in a film or in a cartoon? There are better, in my opinion, better threats. So, and I don't mean better threats as far as, like, um, stronger. It's, like, more interesting. Like, I'd rather see something more interesting for for the Justice League.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with that. I can, I can see what you're saying. Like maybe he's star is more of a product of his time.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Got it. All right. Well, uh, kind of moving along here. Um, you know, you know, we going through the, the setup of everything we do get, uh, I mean, we do get an awesome fight, uh, as star is kind of introduced. And I will say, even though we we've kind of beat up the, the, the Starro inclusion a little bit, there are some really creepy scenes involving Starro and the way he attaches himself to people. Very, very distinct from the suicide squad, like the way he crawls out of their mouths and attaches to their face. And that scene in the cave, when he's a, when Batman is approaching Damien and the star just kind of curling around his hand and reaching out for Damien, that's creepy. So it's, it's effective and it worked really well there. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the setup and getting to where we got um kind of towards the end of the movie where, you know, you've got is it they end up on the watchtower, right? Mhm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and you've got kind of uh you know, everybody's taken off the board and it's kind of the Justice League versus the Super Sons. And that on paper doesn't sound like it should work cuz the Justice League should just out overpower these two easily and I was a little concerned about that when I saw that's the direction they were heading but personally man I think they handled it very well and I think they they showed the teamwork developing between these two kids in a way that like it wasn't like okay they just overpowered the Justice League and it was easy no it was difficult but they did it in such a smart way where they combined their powers and or and Damien doesn't have any powers but um his mind uh, Damien's mind and Jonathan's powers very much reflective of Superman and Batman and I I thought that dynamic was was done very well so I just kind of your you guys thoughts Joe we can start with you on this one what did you think of the the relationship developing between the two and and how they handled themselves against these threats
0: yeah I mean I really don't have much to add to what you said I agree like it's it's fun to to see them start to try to work together and and find out what works best for the two of them. And I don't know if you're including their fight with Batman and Superman, but that to me was the best part is, you know, the obvious answer is, okay, Superboy goes against Superman and, and, you know, I was going to say Batboy and Damien goes against, uh, you know, his father until they realize you know what, let's, let's switch it up. Let's, let's, let's do something different here. Maybe, maybe that's not the answer. And it, I like that they're figuring things out as they go that that's what makes this fun because you can only have um, the action only goes so far in movies like this you You still need some some emotion and some you know context for these characters and how they're going through what they're going through and and it's mm-hmm. good to see them work this stuff out on the fly and and learn as they're doing it and make it interesting for the viewer to see how they are. Cause like you said, it could like, how, how am I going to believe that this is happening? So you have to give us a reason to be invested in these two kids winning this fight. Because if you go into this, you're going to say, Oh, it's going to come out really stupid. Like these two kids have no business beating these these you know the justice league so Mm -hmm. they do a really good job of making it believable and i think that's the really that's the big job of this film is making them do this believable
2: yeah um so matt kind of kind of the same direction there uh just as far as the relationship and and how they kind of divided and conquered the justice league
1: there i mean what what did you think of that um so i i i i loved it and i'll i'll give you kind of the setup um that i noticed i didn't notice on the first watch but definitely on the second rewatch i think it was something that you might would really need to see on a rewatch but uh lois in the beginning is talking to jonathan about his uh, report or homework or something he's doing and she compares it to a video fighting a boss in a video game um, Mm. and tells him about you know well if you if you're trying to hit it one way and it it doesn't work, you have to kind of adjust and come at it from a a different angle and stuff like that. And that's exactly how, like, as soon as um, Damien and and Jonathan start teaming up and, um, and fighting the justice league and stuff on the tower, like every encounter they're in, like it's, that's, that's constantly what they're doing. Um, And especially the fight against, um, against their dads where they end up, switching um also alludes back to a comment damien makes whenever um superman and jonathan like show up at the bat cave about the you know the you know what denied out of your utility belt or whatever kind of thing um i love how that tied in um to this as well like you knew that was going to come in handy later on um but it's literally like the way they've overcome this is not trying the same thing over and over again and not, um, uh, not hitting it, you know, just brute force and trying to, you know, use their, um, uh, their powers and stuff in the same way they're constantly adapting. And that's what, that what that's what makes them strong and able to overcome it is their, their ability to work together and, and come at it from different angles.
2: Yeah. And, and I think one of the things I really like there is you also start to see like, not only are you seeing Jonathan and Damien kind of this, this bond between them develop, but you're also seeing them develop as, as heroes in their own right. Um, You're seeing Damien kind of become that tactician. And you're also seeing that Jonathan's powers are kind of, he's coming into them as he goes, because in the beginning, we have that scene in the Batcave cave where Damien, you know, he shoves him off the cliff and then he can't fly obviously. And then we see, you know, he's not invulnerable because he bashed him in the head with the batarang. And then closer to the end of the movie, you start to see how Jonathan is developing and you find out because we think, Oh gosh, there's this scene where you think, you, you know, Jonathan, he's dead, but no, now he's developed that invulnerability. Um, so I, I really like how they kind of paralleled that with, you know, they're, these two are growing as, as, as little, you know, young adults. um They're also growing as heroes and, and it's a, it, it's, it's a parallel with them becoming friends and kind of going through this together. And I think it's just, it, it's really fun. It's a, it's a really nice touch, but what you guys mentioned about, you know, the, those two kind of dividing Batman and Superman, and the obvious choice is Superboy against Superman and and Robin against Batman. And they do that for a few minutes. And I, I like you, Joe, and I think you even said it, Matt, I really like when they got to that point where this isn't working. Why don't we do the unconventional and switch um, And and that really, it it does, again, on paper, it doesn't seem like it would work, but they did it so well in the film that, that, yeah, I I really enjoyed what they did there with the, with what I thought was the final battle. And this is going to be my other nitpick to the movie. Um, It felt weird because in in as short as this movie is, because it's only 80 minutes, like when the, when they, you know, defeat the Justice League on the watchtower, you know, you think it's over and then, no, there's the whole crashing of the watchtower. There's the putting the kids in peril. Uh, then that is kind of, you know, once it, they're safe from that, that seems like a, a good ending. And no, we've still got to. Everybody's got to come together and take on Starro here at the end. So it seemed like there was just a little bit of stop and start with a couple of different endings there. Uh, and I don't know if you guys agree. Uh, Matt, we'll, we we can start with you on this one. Um, did you think there was kind of some false starts or false endings here?
1: Um, a, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. just because, like, like you said, it's like okay, like it, I feel like they kind of nerfed aspects of Starro to make him, you know, be defeated by Damian and and Jonathan. But then mm-hmm. the fact that he's he's still so freaking hard to kill like and it's just like constantly you know building up um you know you think you're done you think you're done you think you're done and then it's it's not but um I I a small nitpick but i i think it again in the end it it kind of it it kind of all works um Yeah. And,
2: and and again, I I don't think, I don't think it's a, it's a huge detriment to the film. Uh, it's just a tiny nitpick. I know what they're doing. They want to get to that scene that everybody wants to see of, uh, Jonathan and Damien fighting alongside Batman and Superman. That's what they want to get to. And that's clear. I just does feel like they gave us some false endings to get there. Uh, Joe, what do you think of that?
0: I think that I liked the first, um, false ending like i i i didn't think that that was the ending as far as them just defeating batman and superman i like the whole we're gonna have to go down with the ship to defeat starro i I think that's a Mm -hmm. really smart choice for these two characters um it's the next one where starro somehow survives that because even starro dying while they're on the other side of the ship that somehow doesn't burn up that's a little confusing Mm mean comic book you know, comic book logic, fine, whatever. I don't know. Um, Like why did the one section burn up so bad that it could basically kill Starro, but they could sit on the other side and be fine. I don't know. But I I kind of,
2: I I equated it to, to wrestling a little bit from, from way back when, when I used to watch wrestling, they kicked out one too many times, but the match was still good. So we're okay (laughs) with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So But then once he he drops down and then this is one of those cliche moments that I thought was a little much was when they had to go back to the baseball thing. With the tree trunk and, you know.
2: Oh, yeah. See, I kind of I kind of like that. I like the the baseball. I don't mind
0: it, but it was like, oh, I see what they're doing here. (laughs) But I will say after all that time with Starro like burning up in the atmosphere and dying, but not Mm. really dying. I feel like he gets defeated the second time pretty easily. I guess because he was practically dead already anyway. I don't know, but yeah, again, it's fine. It's not anything that bothers me. It's just I personally I like the first ending. I, I will say the second one is like okay, we we want them all to be together to defeat Starro together. I can appreciate that, and it's quick. It wasn't like it went on for another ten minutes. It was maybe no, 10 it didn't. Minutes. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think the movie went on too long at all. I think I think the final uh half hour to 45 minutes of this movie flies by.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um and it is a lot of action. I think that lends itself to to the to the pace there uh in that last half hour. And then you were talking about the baseball scene at the end and you know, if it was just like a family moment, I could I could understand you you're you're kind of um I don't know, curmudgeon approach there. <laughs> but uh it's it, to me it was it was even further uh cementing that relationship between Damien and Jonathan because I love the final little piece we get on the water tower.
0: Well, I'm I'm sorry, I I don't mean the baseball scene at the end, I mean him using the tree trunk to oh, Sarrow was a okay. little off the nose. I have no yeah. problem with the baseball scene at the end with Damien being there and everyone, I thought that was really nice, but to have him defeat Stara with swinging the tree trunk, that to me was a little much, but I love the ending.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can see, I can see where where your nitpick is there. I will say that. I think that lends itself to the, to the, how much his powers have developed. Yes. Um, and it's a fun which,
0: thing. Like that's where I try to think like, okay, maybe that's like a kid's movie trope. And I, I mm. can appreciate that because the, these are two kids that are the main characters and I think it's fun that way.
2: Yeah. Um, so, so far as the wrap up there, we've kind of both talked about that baseball scene and then meeting at the end. Uh, <laughs> I, again, it's so in character for Damien that even after they've developed this friendship and they're, they're having this heart to heart and this warm moment at the end, Damien still pushes Jonathan off of the water tower.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: that, that make, that has made me chuckle both times I've watched this movie and God bless him. I, I love Damien, that little dick.
0: Uh, <laughs> and we got to talk about him paralyzing that kid twice. Oh yeah. I mean, that-, that is the biggest laugh of the movie. I'm sorry. That, what does he say? Oh, it's, uh, he'll be fine in a week.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the, the bully uh, yeah. that's picking on Jonathan the whole time. Yeah, was great. Um, and then but he does I did get one... at the end. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, but but Matt, me and Joe have talked about it. But your kind of thoughts on the ending here? How do you think they? How do you think they wrapped it up?
1: I I I I like it. Um, and then hearing you guys talk about it and stuff kind of makes me um, think about a, a, another way and one of the reasons why i i love this movie so much is because there's so many things that are are mentioned foreshadowed and stuff in the beginning of the movie even in the parts that we talk about like we felt like dragged on um it's one of the reasons why i said i don't know if i would change any of it because um so i already talked about how lois um told jonathan about you know going at things from different angles and how he kind of applies that when they're fighting the justice league and 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 Mm -hmm. teaches that to damien um so that's what that's what he got from his mom but then what the lesson that his dad kept talking to him about was about sacrifice and what his job requires of him and then being superman requires and it had and it taking sacrifice and i love how they tie that into the boys realizing like they're gonna have to go down with the ship and sacrifice themselves to save the justice league and their parents and the world um mm-hmm. and kind of how jonathan takes that realizes what his dad has taught him and um applies it and t- helps kind of teach john and uh, teach damien that um i also loved I, I had i had no issues with the way that they they killed Star. it was a it was again like it was it was another one of those like tropes, clichés, whatever, but completely well done. Um and then again it ties back into like that um confidence that uh they show that Jonathan has now developed um for by showing how he was in the first baseball game at the beginning of the movie now to the end um and not just because of his powers but just because what he was able to overcome like it's not it's not the fact that he has superpowers now that he can he can hit the ball like he could have hit the ball to begin with um he barely they show him barely missing it it's more um he's he lets things get into his head and is not as confident. But now that he's overcome something much bigger than hitting a baseball, like he can he kind of mm-hmm. gives that. He's like, if I can knock this giant starfish alien, you know, into orbit and kill it, like I'm gonna have no problem, you know, hitting this baseball. Like I shouldn't have <laughs> anything to to fear.
0: Um, anyone that plays baseball will tell you it's a confidence thing. Like that's without a
1: doubt. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah yeah you ever think it too much and
0: you you're never gonna you're never gonna hit it the the um, movie does a lot of, of really great setups and payoffs and you could argue maybe they're a little i mean cliche or or tropey. but like even even the ants thing with with Clark in the beginning or was it um they were you know reporting on ants and that ends up being the whole setup for the hive mind with the starro like yeah. Jonathan yeah. remembers yeah. that conversation like they do a lot of really cool stuff with that and you could say it's a trope or it's cliche, but it, it's also good writing. They they put yeah. a lot of thought into everything that they put into the movie. Everything made, everything had a reason for being in the beginning of the movie.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, okay, cool. So I, I think this is, this is a good time to, to kind of, to kind of wrap it up here. We've gotten kind of to the end of, of the movie, but I do before we, before we move on, um, as is tradition here when we, when we talk about um, a review for a movie that we haven't talked about before. Of course, it's Joe's favorite part, oh, no. is uh, rating the film. So I do kind of want to get uh, uh, kind of some final thoughts, wrap up on the movie, and then a Batarang rating. So that's, that's out of 10 Batarangs. So, um, Matt, you're the guest here. We're going to start with you. Kind of give us some final thoughts on the film and your
1: Batarang rating. All right, so um, I'm going to stick with what I said to begin with, um, wonderfully cliche, like lots of lots of things that are maybe not super in, unexpected or like you, you're not like on the edge of your seat, like wondering about like lots of, I don't want to say fan service, but it kind of is fan service because we love it and it's the little things that we pick up on. Um, but like Joe said, at the end of the day, it's still good writing it's still Mm. um this is even though it's in a superhero genre and it's more because it's the super sons it's maybe more for a, a younger um superhero audience comic book audience um it is still at its heart it's still good literature um and that's uh, that's that's something that's just evident on the on the first watch it doesn't take multiple watches the more i watch it the more i pick up on and the more i enjoy Mm. um so i'm gonna i do we did have the couple of nitpicks the mostly the the biggest one for me is probably just the um like you said like i would have appreciated a little bit more um of a a, a Damien and I know you, I knew you guys wanted it to be like Jonathan and Damien um, to get the little bit of his backstory. I would have appreciated a little bit more um, Bruce or Batman and Damien kind of like we got Mm. with Jonathan and his parents. Um, I would, I would have liked to seen a a little bit more of that.
0: We get very Um, little Batman in general.
1: I would, I would have liked to seen a little bit more Batman and Damien. Um, And so I'll be, because they deprived me of a little bit of Batman, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a batarang for myself. But I'm gonna give it uh, a nine nine batarangs out of ten. Wow.
2: Okay, that's a that's pretty good. I didn't expect you to go that high. That's pretty good price. Um. All right. Well, Joe, let's go over to you. Uh, some final thoughts and a batarang
0: rating. Well, first, I forgot to mention the the shiny red ball that I saw while we were talking. Did you notice the poster in Jonathan's room?
2: Oh, no, I didn't. What He's was it? A,
0: it's a Batman uh, Jim Lee artwork from Hush.
2: Um, oh, you know what? I did notice that on the first viewing, and I didn't even think about it on this one. Now that did you mention
0: it. I ever notice it until I had it on the background while we were recording, and that's why I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so I thought that was did a you little, get the, cool little... Did you get straight. the
1: timestamp for, for the It was probably
0: audience. around 20 minutes. It was when they were... Um, I want to say it was when he ran out the door or ran out the window. It was when they were zooming in on the window. Um, I want to, what was it when Um, who was going into his bedroom and he jumps out the window? Was it, that was when Clark was going into his bedroom and he jumps out the window, I think.
2: Hmm. Is that so before, about- after the star takeover? take over
0: before, before okay. it was when, um, it's when he first gets his powers when he runs out of the window. So it's like 20 minutes, like 15, 20 minutes.
2: Oh, okay. So it's in the first 30% of the film that's about Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha.
0: Towards it's the end of it quit quit, quit beating Bat Cow. <laughs> so, right. but no, I, I really enjoyed this film. Um, Again, with these animated films, we, have, we are blessed with a plethora of them lately to the point where how many times do we really even get to rewatch these anymore? Because we always have a new one coming out. So Mm. anyone that's going to stand out to me has to be on its own level where there are some of these that come out and I just forget about them almost instantly where with this (laughs) one, I think the standalones have a little bit more going for them right off the bat because they're going to stand out more than the incontinuity ones because they tend to blend together a little more. But I I think for getting a Super Sons movie, this was this was like the Aquaman formula for a Super Sons movie. Put everything you can into this movie. Um, I think, again, they probably could have done a little bit more for Damien. But as for me, I appreciated that we got this story told from Jonathan's perspective. We do have a lot of Batman stories. We've also already had... I forgot about this. We've had Son of Batman or Batman and some, whatever the animated one was, I always get it confused with the actual book. We've already yeah. had Damien's backstory to an extent in an animated film. So I understand maybe that's why they chose to do this from Jonathan's perspective too. Um But I, I really did enjoy this. I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I thought it was, I guess I worried maybe it was going to be a little too kitty or too kid, uh, you know, kid friendly when it was announced it was going to be CGI and all that. But this, I think this was a really good balance. Maybe one of my other nitpicks was, I think like they still throw those curse words in for no reason. (laughs) Like it's so like, I know it's arbitrary and I know they do it all the time now. And we shouldn't even complain about it anymore, but like even Lois almost dropping an F bomb, like for no reason, I just feel like it was kind of over the top, but I still, I, I, my ratings for these are so arbitrary. Um, That's why I make you do it. I know. And I, I've really got to start writing them down because I feel like every single one's an 8. Um, <laughs> but I feel like this is an 8. I, I feel like it is. It's a solid 8 for me. I, I don't think it's quite as high as Matt has it. Um, I I mean, I, I might be on an island here because I feel like a lot of people haven't been talking about it, but I, I love Beware My Power, the Green Lantern one that came out. I think I have that a little higher than this, but I, I just love that story. And it's another standalone one. But well, I know we haven't one
2: covered that ones. one, have we?
0: No, I didn't know if we were going to cover a Green Lantern one or not. But that's that's I'm sorry. That is in continuity. I think that's not. I was it. about to
1: say, I think that one is I was like, isn't yeah.
0: that one in the new continuity? But it, yeah, it, but it's a Green Lantern story. And so we haven't really gotten a lot of them. So it stood out to me. But yeah, that's definitely in continuity. That's my fault. But I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, but for for two of them back to back to both stand out for me, that hasn't happened in a long time. So yeah. I really liked it as I, I think a solid eight, maybe eight and a half, but I'm I'm going to lean towards eight. Um, okay. Yeah. Good. Well,
2: um, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're all pretty close. Um, so with this film, like it is one that is, that is really, really fun. And I see myself revisiting this one a lot for, for the main reason of, you know, this has got four characters that I really, really like, um, Actually, I love all four of these characters, and I like seeing them on screen together. And no matter what they're doing in that action, that that gets points for me because I like seeing them work together on screen, fighting bad guys or alien starfish in this in this scenario. Um, but yeah, I do have I do have some nitpicks. Like I said earlier, um, the I wanted I wanted more kind of I wanted Damien sooner. And I wanted the pair of them together sooner. And that that just really sticks with me. Um, and then again, with the with the Starro inclusion, I, I feel like I'm already a little tired of Starro, which it, it, I mean, to be fair, we've seen him in, in two things recently. And so that doesn't feel like a lot, but then again, it already feels like a lot. Um, so with that, and then it just the, I kind of, I guess I kind of knock off a half a point for, for my major nitpicks. Um, so I had, I had three of them, I think in this film. Um, so for that reason, I'm right there at it. I'm shooting the gap between uh, Joe and Matt there. I'm at an 8.5 out of 10 Batarangs. Um, definitely one that I will revisit, like I said, quite a bit and I look forward to it. Um, and I, and I like what you said, Joe about the distinction um, between this uh, and, and kind of the in continuity stuff where th- sometimes the out of continuity stuff stands out a little more because it does. I'm thinking back and y- you think of stuff like uh, Gotham by Gaslight and things like that. It definitely sticks out versus the if you even the trilogy of Damian Batman films in that old universe, like they, they all kind of start to feel a little bit the same. So I do like that aspect of, of this feeling different. That definitely gets some some goodwill for it.
0: Well, and I will say to Matt's point, like Matt called me on it. I I forgot where My Power was in continuity because I, mm-hmm. I hope they're actually trying to do a better distinction with the new in continuity films because like even Batman The Long Halloween, yeah, that's probably going to be in continuity or it is and we're probably going to get more Batman films in continuity. But Batman The Long Halloween is going to stand out. They're, mm. they're hopefully going to try to keep them more different because most of the time, if I'm reaching for something on my shelf, it's going to be the, the standalones because yeah they bring more to the table. But I mean, I've definitely enjoyed all the incontinuity ones we've gotten in this new one, which again, this is not the topic we're talking about, but all of them, I mean, all of them have been very different and very good. So I, I think all these films have just been really consistent lately. I think we're very lucky
2: yeah for sure for sure um okay well that's kind of our thoughts on battle of the super sons uh curious to hear what you guys the listeners think so let us know um reply to us on twitter give us your feedback and your thoughts send us emails whatever you want to do there um but that's that's where we're gonna put a pin in it for batman and superman superman battle of the super there's a lot of super going on there i battle of the super sons um we're not quite ready to leave you yet though, of course we are still because we me and Joe are slow. We're still celebrating 30 aniver- the 30th anniversary of Batman the animated series, so we got some more episodes to cover here today. All right guys, so we do have a handful of episodes left in our 30th anniversary Batman the animated series celebration. So we do want to finish those out as promised before we move on uh, to something else for the year. And we don't know what we're going to do yet, uh, but we're, we'll figure that out and we'll let you guys know. Um, but I do want to right off the top mention uh, this segment of the show, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, was recorded separately from the main body of the show and our buddy Matt was not available for this recording, so that's why you don't hear his voice if it throws you off a little bit. Um, but I know uh, I know Matt does love Batman the Animated Series, and he would have been excited to talk any episodes, but unfortunately he couldn't join us for this. But that's okay. So we have two episodes to talk about today. And the first episode is, in from Season 1, it is The Clock King. And then in the synopsis here, uh, the Clock King, before he's known as such, Temple Fugate, is a button-down, obsessed time and efficiency expert who, whose life re- revolves around order and punctuality. And on the advice of Hamilton Hill, who he meets on a train ride, he makes a tiny deviation from his schedule, and it winds up destroying his career. Years later, Hill has become mayor of Gotham and Fugit resurfaces as the Clock King. And his main target in his thirst for revenge is, of course, Mayor Hamilton Hill. And it's up to Batman to make sure that he saves Hamilton Hill and stops the newly crowned Clock King. So, Joe, uh, let me know your thoughts on this one, buddy. What did you think of the Clock King?
0: So, to be honest with you, when I saw that we were doing the Clock King episode, this was not the episode I remembered. I have very little uh, memory of this episode from watching Batman the Animated Series. For me, the only Clock King episode I really remember is the one where he's really manipulating time and Robin is involved. That was, for some reason, the episode I was thinking about. Hmm. So, with this one, it's not that I disliked this episode. It was just not it was kind of a letdown for me because I love that other episode. <laughs> so um, this was, you know, more of, you know, Clock King's origin. And I really, it's, it's a fine episode. I just have no memory of it whatsoever. Um, which is strange because I remember the other one really vividly.
2: That is interesting because I, it's the opposite for me. I always remember this one. I don't, at all remember the other episode where the clock King appeared like that doesn't I have no recollection of it.
0: Wow. So yeah, I, this was interesting for me because I really don't remember, you know, clock King's origin in the animated series. And, um, but it was, I like the whole, you know, like you said, his life revolves around punctuality and, and one little, one little change in that where he takes the advice of the, you know, the soon to be mayor um it's it's a pretty interesting episode with the way it's done with the time jump and and how, you know, he gets, you know, basically his life is ruined because of this one little, you know, stray of his his really just totally detailed organization. But uh yeah, it's it's fine. I'm not crazy about the episode, but it's not a, it wasn't like I was bored. It was just not to me this is not one of my favorite episodes
2: right well let me be clear about this um, it's not one of my favorite episodes either by far and I do have a lot of I just don't love the Clock King as a villain Um, mm-hmm. and I think it doesn't help that he I mean just in appearance alone he looks like a Riddler ripoff yes. yeah. um, I mean he's got the bowler he's got kind of the glasses which you know you, you kind of swap out for the for the domino mask. He's even got a cane and he's in a suit. I mean, he, he looks like the Riddler. Um, so I think just by design alone, he's not a character that really stands out. I don't care for, for him as, as a character really, but I do think there was some intriguing stuff in this episode because we, I mean, we all know someone who is extremely OCD and, and I myself, I mean, you can ask my wife if, if we're late for something, I'm freaked out. <laughs> like it, it just, it drives me crazy and it doesn't matter what it is. Like, um, the, the big one for me is getting to the movie theater on time. Like that drives me nuts. If we're not there and, and in our seats, when the trailers start, I'm bugging out. Um, and it's, it's the same thing with, with, you know, theme parks or going to, you know, just, a get together or anything like that or a work. I want to be on time. Mostly I want to be early. So I, I kind of feel for, for Temple here in the episode because he is that way to the extreme. And, you know, on the advice of someone who's a little more laid back, he decides to kind of loosen up just a little bit. He, I mean, the, the only change he makes is he takes his coffee outside of the office and does it at 3.15 instead of 3 o'clock. And that turns out to be a complete disaster. And he he, he had a court case, right?
0: Yeah, that, I was a little unclear of where he had a court case and because he missed it, he went to jail for like seven years?
2: Yeah, that part is kind of wonky. Is he an
0: accountant? Is that the part that I would like, I felt like he was an accountant.
2: Yeah. Um, he's something like that. Um, they say he's like, a an efficiency manager or something like that.
0: Okay. Which, and I guess whatever he missed was obviously a big deal. And to the point where maybe there was some type of fraud going on and he was that, trying to prove that there wasn't,
2: that was my assumption. And they okay, didn't, that's... they didn't lay it out that way because what kid no. is going to understand fraud? Or something yeah, like that.
0: Yeah, I would assume they kept it vague on purpose. But for mm-hmm. us, it's kind of like okay, but whatever.
2: Yeah, and oh wow, seven years—that's a—that's a heavy sentence, even for yeah fraud. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but yeah, he—he, he, so I, I did like, I did like how they kind of got there, even if the. You know, the the whole going to jail, the courtroom thing, even if that didn't make complete sense. I do like how they got there. And I like that they tied it together in the latter half of the episode when he's going after Mayor Hill. When you find out that before he was mayor, of course, um, Hamilton Hill was an attorney and his firm was on the opposite side of that court case. Mm hmm. And when you find that out, it's like, wow, I mean, yeah, this guy recommended for Temple to, you know, take it easy and laid back and not be so buttoned down. And it cost him, you know, seven years of his life. And then it comes to find out that, you know, this guy that gave him that advice was on the opposite side of his court battle. So it's like, oh, (laughs) I could kind of see where he was upset. Yeah. Um,
0: Adding to the OCD nature of his character, it makes sense.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, I'm not crazy about the character. I do think, though, in the episode, the little, the I guess the clock moments, like the moments where he's manipulating time um, or manipulating how time schedules work in his advantage, I, d- I did like the way that they made that work in the episode. It That was pretty neat for instance like when he was battling Batman that first time and he said you know he was about to step off of this ledge and he said um the something something train is always six minutes early and he steps off of the ledge and here's the train and he's landed on top of the train and it's taking him away I thought they were very clever with that stuff
0: yeah the time stuff is great in this and yeah because I mean, for lack of a better term, you have to you have to cater towards his gimmick and Mm -hmm. they do a good job of giving him his own character. Like you said, he is he does resemble a Riddler ripoff, but he does have his own characterization in the episode. And that's very clear. And I like that. I I do. And again, I I don't dislike the episode. It's just because I love the other clocking episode. This one seemed a little vanilla to me because this is the setup for him. Where in that other episode, he, like, kind of goes balls to the wall with the whole clock stuff. So, again, though, like, uh, some really good, you know, a, a really good, uh, what do you call it? Um, A trap for Batman to escape mm. from. That's always fun. It, it, to me, whenever they do that, it always feels like a callback to the 60s show.
2: It does feel that way, especially when they're battling on a giant clock at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Which he's got Hamilton Hill tied to one of the hands of the clock and the hands are coming together. That's kind of scary. I mean, that's terrifying. (laughs) Um, But it does, it it is very 66. And I'm glad you mentioned that because did you know?
0: You're going to say what I was going to say. Yeah, I do.
2: (laughs) Oh, what, what was I going to say? Go for it. Bill Finger. Well, was he created by Bill Finger?
0: No, but so his, he did appear in the 60s show and Bill Finger wrote the episode. Wow.
2: Well that was not the uh that was not the trivia I was going with. But oh, okay. That's so, that's fun. So I'm glad that's you my had trivia. that. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Well, originally, um, I, I found this out today while I was doing some research. Clock King was a green arrow villain. And the 60s show kind of transitioned him into a Batman villain.
0: Oh, so that I did not know. Yeah, so. That I was not aware of. I just knew because I remember in my I was actually just looking up to see if Bill Finger created him because I knew Bill Finger wrote the 60s show. Mm -hmm. He did not create him. He wrote that episode. And I want to say that episode is like the first time Bill Finger and the only time until um, all the lawsuits and everything that Mark Tyler Nobleman did. That was like the sole time he got writing credit Mm -hmm. for anything Batman.
2: Yeah, I do remember that, but I did not remember that it was a Clock King episode. So that that's interesting. Yeah. Um. And I, did, the, I guess my ending shot here on Clock King is I did not remember until doing all this rewatching how many puns Batman likes to throw out. <laughs> because at the end of this episode, he tells Commissioner Gordon that he thinks it's just a matter of time until they hear from the Clock King again and it's like really <laughs> uh they couldn't help themselves but write that one in there um but yeah again uh i think lee ancrit actually commented on it um on twitter you know it's it's fascinating that this show i mean e- even you said you know it's 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 not a one that's a favorite or anything but they do make it entertaining and that's credit due to you know, the crew behind Batman, the animated series, they could take a villain. I mean, let's be as, let's be honest, as lame as the clock king and make an entertaining episode out of it. Even if it's not, you know, a favorite.
0: And they make him a pretty heinous villain too. Like he's not just a throwaway gag villain. Like he's doing some pretty horrible stuff in this. I mean, yep. it's a cartoon, it's still a kid's show, so they make it very clear that, like, nobody was killed. But, if this was done in real life, this would be pretty bad. <laughs> oh, like, when he, uh, when he sets like up he the crashes st- the two trains.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and the stoplights, I mean, someone could easily be yeah. killed with yep. the stoplight situation. So, yeah, you're right, I mean, which they always kind of towed the line, um, with... Is it a sh- kid show? Is it not? And that's definitely where that line is. But yeah, you're right. I agree with you. Um, but that's uh that's the Clock King, uh, and that one was chosen by Jim Mintier. So Jim, we finally got into this one for you. Uh, and I and I can see why you enjoy this one. Uh, but next up for us is the Demon Within. And as a quick synopsis here, an auction night takes an interesting turn with the inclusion of a witch boy named Clarion and Jason Blood, an old friend of Bruce Wayne. Both of them equally interested in a certain branding iron that is up for auction with Bruce Wayne swooping in to save the day and win the bid on the auction in favor of his friend, Jason Blood. But things take, take a turn for the worse when we realize that Jason Blood is the demon Etrigan, or they are two parts of the same. And this branding iron, which we come to find out controls uh, the demon Etrigan, has been stolen by Clarion. And he is now under the control of Clarion, who separates um, Etrigan, separates from Jason Blood and is being controlled by Clarion. And we start to see Jason Blood age rapidly as he's been merged with Etrigan for so long. Um, that now the effects are taking their toll while he's not merged with him any longer. So, as always, it's up to Batman to save the day and to uh, bring his friend, Jason Blood, back in sync with Etrigan so he can live to fight another day. So, Joe, um, just to be upfront about this one, I had no idea. And I, I, I guess it's just been so long since I've seen this episode that when we, even when we listed it in the top five episodes when we were doing that show, I just assumed this was a Raz Al Ghul episode. And now we get to it, and I think you told me a couple of days ago, uh, you know this Raz Al Ghul isn't in this one, right? And I was like, what? And then I thought about it for a second, and I said, is this an Etrigan episode? <laughs> you said yes, right. and I was a little let down because. I just assumed it was a Roz al Ghul episode because anytime you see demon in the title of a Batman, the animated series episode, you assume it's Raz. So I had to get over some disappointment there, but I will say once I got over that disappointment, I really, really liked this episode. So I'm curious about your thoughts on it.
0: So it's, it's kind of in line with the clocking episode for me. I'm with you when I, when I, um, was looking for the episode i assumed it was a raz episode that's why i gave you the heads up i'm like yeah it's not what i expected but i i didn't dislike this episode it's just a different episode for this show and Mm -hmm. i i only know of clarion from young justice he made a lot of appearances in uh young justice and as far as etrigan goes i've never been the biggest etrigan fan i think he's fine when it comes to like the justice league dark stuff but this is a fun episode for Etrigan. To me, this is not a, a great Batman episode, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to disrespect the episode, but it, to me, like, I I'd rather watch a Batman episode than something like this. But again, I think it's fun to see him cross over with this kind of stuff, and it brings light to the other side of the DC universe, which is fun too. It's just not necessarily my cup of tea um, for a Batman episode, but. It was still entertaining. Again, this show is still entertaining when it needs to be um, to even make me like they do a really good job with Etrigan where his rhyming is not annoying in this either.
2: Mm Yeah, because the rhyming is there, but it's not like he can speak without it. Yes. Which
0: it's not. A, it's not a unbearable gimmick.
2: Yeah, I like it when the rhyming is used for, for like magic for spell work mm-hmm. there, it makes sense when it's constantly like they're, they're shoehorning rhymes in just to make him talk like that. Every time he opens his mouth, that's when it gets annoying to me.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, but I, it, for some reason, I really like when Batman is faced with the supernatural or, you know, the out there, the fantastical, and it doesn't get much more fantastical than Clarion and, you know, Etrigan. Um, it's very, yeah. And, you know, I like stuff like, um, the Sandman and I, I I really like, uh, the John Constant Constantine stuff and Clarion and Etrigan fit very much into that world. I mean, they're in, they're involved in both of those books. So, um, Yeah when Batman comes against that stuff, cause I really love the notion of, you know, this ordinary uh, guy who doesn't have superpowers having to take on stuff like this. It's, it's fascinating to me. And, and the way that writers, you know, can come up with ways for Batman to overcome this stuff is neat. And I also like that Robin was so involved in this episode. Um, I thought it was neat that Tim got some, some limelight here. Um, and, The one thing that I really, really liked about this episode is when Batman was out and he was trying to get the branding iron back from Clarion and Clarion's cat. I can't remember the cat's name. Tickle, I think, something like that. Um, Yeah,
0: something like that. That sounds right.
2: As we were checking back with Tim and Jason Blood, every time we went back to them, you could see how much Jason Blood was aging. And it it got worse and worse every time we cut back to those two. And I thought that was just a neat touch. Um, It kind of reminded me of. um, Oh, gosh. uh, Oh, God. Have you ever seen League of Extraordinary Gentlemen?
0: Oh, Uh, yeah, but I don't remember it very well.
2: Okay, so there's a character in that and he's a character in literature. He's called uh, Dorian Gray. Um, So he he never ages, um, except unless he sees his reflection in this particular mirror, it will age him immediately. And he like goes to dust and dies if he sees his reflection in this mirror. And it kind of reminded me of that, like that there's this one thing keeping Jason blood from from aging and dying. And if he doesn't have that thing, it's Etrigan, then he will age and wither and die. And I I thought that was, it was kind of a beat the clock. Like can Batman save Jason blood before he, he withers away.
0: Um, Now, maybe I missed it. The only thing I wasn't clear about this episode was Etrigan and Jason blood were separated because of the branding iron.
2: Yeah. Because um, so in this version and there's a couple of different versions of Etrigan and how he came about um, sometimes he's just a demon from hell in this uh, instance, he was Merlin's demon um, from the Knights mm-hmm. of the Round Table. Uh, the, you know, the, Arthur, the, Saint, the Arth- yeah. Arthur story. And the branding iron was, I guess, what they were saying Merlin used to create Etrigan and to control him. So when Clarion got this branding iron, that's why Jason Blood was trying to bid on it and keep it out of Clarion's hands was because if he got it he could control Etrigan and he used it to separate Jason blood from Etrigan.
0: Okay. Yeah, I watched it a couple of days ago when we were originally going to record it, and a couple of the details were uh were a little fuzzy for me. But yeah, and then it's it's very cool that um like you were talking before about having Tim play a factor. It it makes sense to have Clarion in this episode to have a an age appropriate villain for Tim. Mm-hmm. It was it was cool to kind of see that dynamic between the two of them.
2: The only thing I didn't like there is you didn't really get a conflict between the two. Mm-hmm. Like it, you got a little bit, maybe
0: like for like, for like two seconds in the very beginning. Yeah.
2: But then they didn't really meet again for the rest of the episode. Yeah, that's true. And that's the, that's the only thing is like, it would have been cool to see, I guess since Tim was so, was so, you know, it was kid versus kid sort of, it would have been cool to see Tim overcome Clarion. Yeah. So, but that's, that's kind of a nitpick. I did enjoy the episode a lot though. Um, but so far as this one, it was chosen, uh, by someone who I do not have access to see on my Twitter anymore. Um, so it was chosen by one person and I don't know who that person is. So I apologize. Um, but if you chose it, it's, it's a fun one. So thank you for, for choosing this episode. And then just a few notes of trivia here. Um, the Kirby Cake Company. I don't know if you saw that. It's in one one scene when they're uh when they're when Etrigan is attacking Gotham. Uh but it's a I didn't know. Yeah, it's a nod to uh to Jack Kirby. And um Yeah, there's one that said something about uh Devastator 3 being a Terminator ripoff, but I don't know how
0: much I buy that. Um, uh, okay, and there's also a reference to Bray Fogel in, in the Clock the King prior episode. I think. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's uh, it's Clock King's address is 352 yeah.
0: Bray Fogel. Yeah, I like when they do that. Concept.
2: Yeah, I do too. I don't know if 352 has any particular meaning. Maybe it's was well, Bray. F-
0: oh, like a like a Batman issue? Yeah. or a detective issue? But now that seems early.
2: It does seem early.
0: Maybe Batman 352. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Anyway, um, so that is going to do it for for this time. But we do, like I said, we still do have a handful to go through. Um, So for our next episode, the randomizer has chosen. And this will be the last time we use the randomizer because on the episode after that, we're just going to finish out with the ones we have left. Um, But for next time, it is I am the night and eternal youth. So uh, a mixture of episodes there as well. I do recall. I am the night. I don't have much memory of eternal youth. So we'll, we'll I see do that.
0: remember? Eternal youth is the poison Ivy episode. I remember that one.
2: Oh, okay. Gotcha.
0: I'm almost positive. It is. Okay.
2: Yep. That works, but that will do it for, for the coverage of Batman, the animated series for this episode. All right, guys, that's where we're going to wrap it up to, for today. Thank you so much uh, for joining us and listening. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing this. I'm so glad we got to have Matt back. Um, so that I'm going to thank you, Matt. Thank you for coming back. Uh, and on your way out here, we, we hope to see you again on the show soon. Um, but again, thank you for being here and tell everybody where they can find you out there on social media
1: appreciate it Eric it was it was a joy to be here talking with you guys again i'm actually on a little bit of a social media hiatus right now but um if good for uh, you anyway if anyone has questions or comments like specifically for me um direct them to eric and then he's uh good at getting those to me um so
2: yeah yeah no worries and yeah it's it's probably better for i've heard this a few times from other people on podcasts but it's probably better for your mental health that way so <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, uh, thank you again for for being the, the constant co host and the 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 guy I lean on here. We appreciate you uh, you being here. So why don't you tell everybody if they want to find you out there on social media where they can do that.
0: Yeah, I'm always happy to come on here, and it was nice to talk to Matt again. Um and Matt, we've been pushing uh Letterbox lately. That's a pretty fun, easy one to get involved in on social media where people don't really talk too much on there. It's just a fun way to keep track of the movies we watch and stuff. So um, Yeah, no chat feature. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um you could you you guys can find me on uh Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as J4 11 and on Facebook as Joe Fornerato F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O. And that's pretty much it. And we, will, uh, we will be back in a couple weeks with our next episode, and that'll be uh, it'll be fun to come back on again.
2: Absolutely. And as for myself, you can find my personal accounts on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at MeCarter89. That's Carter 89 The show's accounts can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at T F R TFRBatPod. If you take a moment out of your day to leave us a rating and review, it greatly helps the show. It helps us gain exposure It helps other people find us. So if you want to do that on Apple Podcasts, you can even leave a star rating on Spotify if you listen there. But if you do it on Apple Podcasts, we will read those reviews on the show. Uh, We also read emails. So if you have an email for us, send that to tfrbatpod at gmail.com. One last way to support us. And we don't ask that you spend a dime on this show. Um, But if you'd like to, we greatly appreciate it. You can go to redbubble.com and search shop TFR, all one word, and find our very cool logos on all kinds of merch there. But thank you for listening. That's where we're going to end it today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we can't wait to be back with you again. But until then, make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. batman was created by bill finger and bob kane and is the sole property of warner brothers discovery the fire rises a batman podcast is in no way associated with warner brothers discovery or its properties the thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies or organizations that they are associated with thank you for listening
0: for the new dynamic duo.
2: Nope, dynamic duo is Batman and Robin. We're super
0: sons. Okay, fine. What's next for the super sons?
2: Well, I do owe you a birthday present.
0: Oh, well, what is it? This. Ah! Still can't fly.